Jeremy here. Just before we get into the show, wanted to give an update. We have a new tier on our Patreon. That is the Sheikah supporter tier for $5 or more a month. You get a week early access to episodes as well as getting to pick games that you play alongside us. Each month, people in this tier can pick a game that we'll play. We'll stream it on our Discord for everyone else to see. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. We just played the Rogue Hero Ruins of Tassos game, uh, which is this roguelike, Zelda-like game that uh, is very similar to the old Four Swords games. It's very chaotic. It's very, very fun. If you want to join up in that, go to patreon.com slash chat of the wild. If you can't afford that, we do still have the smaller tier. Just a reminder, people that join in that tier, they get ad-free episodes. They also get access to our side quests episodes, where once a month we record an episode just talking about all the other games that we have been playing. You also get to pick the games that we play in between Zelda games, what we call our Gaiden games, as well as getting a shout-out. If that sounds good to you, once again, go to patreon.com slash chat of the wild sign up support us we really appreciate it anyways that's all i have so let's get on with the show hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Jeremy and Brian here. Just wanted to take a moment to tell you about something exciting that we're doing with Chat of the Wild. Starting in January, we're going to be launching our Patreon uh, it's very exciting for us. That's right. We, we're really just doing uh, $1 minimum a month gets you access to ad-free versions of the show. And then down the line, if we hit certain goals, we're going to have uh, more things that we'll be able to do, including letting patrons vote on what we do for our Zelda-like, quote-unquote, Gaiden games. Gaiden! Uh, also, a cool thing that we'll be doing is that for each of our new patrons, uh, you'll get a little shout out in the most recent episode where you can tell us your favorite thing about Zelda. Yeah, we'll have a little uh, questionnaire you can fill out. So some of the goals that we have, uh, you'll be able to see on the Patreon is, like I said, voting for Gaiden games. We're also talking about doing a monthly generic game review episode. Uh, whether that is we cover one single game that's like the new game to talk about, or if it's uh, each of us played a couple games that we want to talk about here and there. We're also talking about reviewing the the Zelda TV series, if you are old enough to remember <laughs> that. Yeah, that'll be fun. As well as the Zelda manga book series. And we've also got some other things down the line that, uh, you know, if it gets big enough, we would like to do more to interact with our fans and to give them more good content. Also wanted to give a thank you to the people that have done interviews with us. Uh, it's been a blast doing this and we hope to do more with these people in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, usually we take a, a break for the holidays, but, uh, this year we've lined up 
a few cool interviews with some people. Uh, we talked to David Spencer from the Come On Fahugwa Pods, uh, the Homestar Runner podcast. Uh, I, for one, enjoy listening to that. They're going through chronologically uh, every Homestar cartoon. And we talked about some Zelda together, and it was great. Yeah, we also talked to Andrew Funkhauser from Oh My Goss uh, and a number of other podcasts as well. And also Jeremy Parrish, part of the, uh, or the head of the Greenlit Podcast Network, founder of Retronauts and a bunch of other stuff, got together with me to talk about Zelda 1. Also want to give a shout out to Todd Hunt over at the Super Nintendads. Uh, he, he didn't quite make it into our schedule for this one, but we did record a great episode, uh, talking about Minish Cap with him that we'll be able to put at the end of the Minish Cap season that will be starting at the beginning of the year. So yeah, that's, uh, you have that to look forward to and a little end of the year episode, uh, with all of us here at chat of the wild. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, be on the lookout for the Patreon and we love you very much. And and we're all doing it differently, I guess. So, yes, once again, thank you so much for listening to us. We've seen so much growth over the last year. Yeah, it's been amazing. Especially since joining the Greenlit Podcast group. Uh, a lot of great people on there. Hopefully, throughout the year, we'll be able to do more stuff with more people. Uh, and we hope that you check out our Patreon and enjoy the interviews. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Not Chat of the Wild. Not Gaiden. In this episode, we are doing our Games of the Year for 2020, something that we used to do regularly on an old show. Uh, but we wanted to talk about some games, even if we don't have a lot to talk about. Joining this episode, we have BC Nelson. Hey. Brian Hour. That's me. And his lovely wife, Tiffy in the Corner Hour. Hey! Tiffy in the Corner Hour. It's your official name. Mm-hmm. It's throwback. Long time I just, it, it was the last name added to it that threw me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what we used to do uh, for our games of the year is not to really focus on like a single game or anything, but just, and not even necessarily a game that came out this year, but just what are the games that we've been playing this year that we just want to talk about and recommend, or in some rare cases, just be like, yeah, I like this game, but it's bad, so nobody should play it. <laughs> uh, we do have... Uh, we have five games that we typically go into each. Uh, BC brought two with them. Tiffy has two to talk about as well. Brian and I have five plus an honorable mention each. Um, yeah, we do. I mean, I guess uh, Brian, you want to you want to you want to kick it off with your honorable mention? Yeah, uh, I finally played Sunset Overdrive this year. Yeah, and it were amazing. And uh, that was like, that was the game with the weird mutant um, energy drink people that I was grinding. Oh, oh lord! That I was grinding on top of uh, like telephone poles, and then every now and then going calling to the other room. Tivy, you won't believe what mad crate. Oh, I can't swear, can I? Nope. No. <sighs> yeah, uh, Tivy, you won't believe what. Please. Weird insanity uh, just happened to me just now, and then I would describe it and then go back to 
creating more of those uh, moments. That game is great. Yeah, that's uh, Insomniac. That's the the one Xbox exclusive that they did. Yeah, yeah, Microsoft trying yeah. to pull everybody in by uh, getting Insomniac games for one thing and then uh, fumbling the launch. It sucks that nobody played it when they came out. Like it, it is, it is definitely a hidden gem on there. Wasn't your energy fueled by like monster or something? It was a. Uh... No, it was its own, like, in-universe energy drink. The monster one that you might be thinking of when we watched Jess play Death Stranding for a while. No, I'm not thinking of that. <laughs> but, yeah, it was an ener- It was definitely, like, an energy drink, and it was yeah, turn- everywhere. turning everyone into mutants. And then they put the whole city on lockdown so, they're- <laughs> so they can clean it up and, like, not let the word get out. And so then your job is to try to escape on a homemade... Uh, a uh, car plane made out of a Volkswagen bug. But that goes wrong. And then you just have to grind around the city and shoot mutants. And it's great. And it's completely full of fourth wall breaking video game jokes. Um, even the, the main character and the narrator have a back and forth. It's dumb. I wouldn't put it on my top five. Uh, but I had a blast. I did like the fourth wall breaking. Yeah. Hey, this is a video game. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else to add for it? I don't know. No. Uh, I wish Insomniac would make more games. They haven't made any games since, I don't think. uh, Is that a joke? No, no. There's no games. There's nothing on Xbox. I haven't seen anything, so I don't think they're making games. I mean, that's true. There is nothing on Xbox. (laughs) Yeah, I I just wish they would make more games. Uh, not, not my, on my list or any of that, but Miles Morales on PS5 is spectacular. Mm. Um, must be nice to have a PS5. It is yes. pretty nice, actually. Yeah. My controller is really cool. I finally um, turned off the alerts for when they go on sale. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of tried the other day when I saw one. It's like, yeah, we'll just wait. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it. It's fine. Yeah, there's not again. You don't. You still don't have any games coming out for like a couple more months for it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so, but he could yeah. do all the PS4. I've games. got lots of things I should be playing that have PlayStation in front of their face. <laughs> this is true. This yeah. is true. <laughs> hey, Jeremy, you want some of that PS5? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I do that? At least that? I'm not Honestly. asking for it. At least I'm not just like outright <laughs> asking right, for it. <laughs> anyways, my honorable mention for 2020 is the game Moon. Oh, yeah. Uh, this game came out a long time ago on the PlayStation 1, but never got a Western release. It was Japan only. And this year, they released an English translation on the Switch. And this game is super bizarre. And it turns out that there is a reason that I was pulled into this even like before I played the game. And it's because it has sort of a lineage with the Tingle spinoff games. Oh, oh. The, the, the teams that some of the people that worked on that game worked on a number of other really oddball uh, games like a, what is it called? Tulip. Tulip. I own that game, actually. I don't know that one. 
um, there's like a, a game on PS2 where you play as a mailman that goes around and kissing people. <laughs> as mailmans do. Yeah. So they're, they're connected that. to that. Not really a good 2020 game going around kissing strangers. Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. No. 2021, well, I mean, though, post-vaccine. It's I, gonna I think it's the, the perfect 2020 game. <laughs> Simulated going yeah. around kissing people. Yeah. Yeah. Good point, Brian. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Moon is Moon is so bizarre where it is very much like a point and click adventure game. Uh, except you are like freely moving a character around. And your your goal is really just to collect love and to help people. It takes place in a video game, a Dragon Quest video game, basically. Uh, where like it knows you, it takes place in a Dragon Quest video game? Yes. The very beginning, you are playing a Dragon Quest knockoff game. <laughs> okay. And uh, you're playing as the hero in there, and then you get sucked into the game, and then you realize the hero is just this guy that's going around killing all these monsters and creatures that aren't mean or anything just so he can collect experience points. And uh, you're sort of following in his trail, reviving all the creatures that he's killed. And you basically get rewarded by God with love <laughs> for for bringing these creatures back to life. Heavy Crusader Sinti vibes. Uh, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, you get yeah. You don't have any like companions necessarily. Uh, a lot of it is just like solving weird little environmental puzzles, and then the creature will appear, and you basically just go up to it and touch it, and then that's how you catch it. Yeah, and then yeah, the little UFO guy comes up and takes them away, and then later on you get to f- you find out where they're at and everything, and it's all it's all nice. Um, it's it it's is. a weird claymation looking game too, which for whatever reason. I like that. There's a few games that did like a claymation style that even if they're bad games, I just am attracted to that for whatever reason. So combine all that together. Uh, it's not like an amazing game, but I absolutely had to mention it for 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it is a, if you want a game that is unlike any other check out moon. Yeah. It used to come up uh, a lot. Like, in obscure conversations, people would be like, oh, yeah, have you ever heard of Moon? It's really weird. You have to read Japanese, mm. but but you should, you know, figure out a way you could you could play that game. It's really weird. Yeah. Now you can in yeah. English. It's pretty good. So I know already like what BC and Tiffy's things are, and I'm trying to like figure out a way to keep this in a, in a good pattern. So. <laughs> What I'm going to do is I'm going to throw it to BC to tell me what his number two game is. Oh, my my number two game of the year is going to be Persona 5 Royal, which is no surprise if you know who I am. Um, So Persona 5 was my favorite Persona game, hands down, when it came out. And last year, for various reasons, I barely played any video games. Like when... They did the end of year, like, Sony, this is how much you played. I think I played, like, 46 <laughs> hours of PlayStation last year, which is barely a full-length game. Um, so, last year... Did they year just, I like, send you PSN credits to be like, here, buy stuff? 
<laughs> at that point. I mean, they already give you the free PSN games, which I yeah, yeah. play too. But um, when Persona 5R came out, that was like, got me to start using my PS4 again. So it was a ton of fun just to actually have a game I was invested in and like to have a game you could spend a ton of time in during lockdown. Um, so I enjoyed the new characters. Uh, I enjoyed a lot of the quality of life improvements they, that they did. Um, and then there's a whole other like extra part of the story, which is pretty cool. Um, so you, like you go through, there's like the bad ending, then the true ending. And then now they have a true, true ending, which kind of reminds me of what they did for persona four. And it's less obscure than persona four, where to get the true, true ending, you had to be like, answer the series of questions correctly now you've got the true ending you want the true true ending go through and talk to everybody you can think of then talk to the gas station attendant from the beginning of the game that you don't remember now you can go to the true true ending uh, wait there's a true true less... ending in four that i don't know about yeah oh oh i gotta go find that yeah there's a true ending in the in the double true ending but uh um i'm the double I... true ending double true I don't feel I feel less whole than I did when we started this. I gotta all right. Yeah, let's finish <laughs> this up real quick. I gotta go find that. <laughs> but uh but yeah, no, it was it was great. I still need to finish like the final boss and everything. I I started like I was waiting to finish the game, uh, so that me and my partner could watch the final cutscenes together, uh, and we just have not overlapping work schedules. So it kind of went by the wayside. And then when you don't play an RPG for a month and you're at the end of it, you can't jump back in. Uh, but yeah, Persona 5R was a great improvement over Persona. I enjoyed the new characters. I enjoyed the new systems. And it was nice to just have something to sink my teeth into for, you know, like 200 hours or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you were going to only play one game this year, a 200-hour game is the one to do, right? Yeah. And, and Persona 5R was also nice because some of my friends got into it with the re-release. And so it was nice to like talk to them about like, hey, this is what you should do and see them kind of experiencing it for the first time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Cool. All right, Brian, I'm going to bounce it over to you now. What is your number five game of 2020? Mario 35. Okay. All right. Okay. So, yeah, I thought this was going to be way, 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 way higher on my list. And then uh, I played it for like two weeks solid and won like 10 times. And then I didn't touch it again. So uh, I just I put it I put it down at number five. Uh, It was the most magical and fun experience of my life. And I don't know why I'm still not playing it. But uh, yeah, I love mario very much i love mario one very much i did get the mario 35 game and watch so that i can have mario one with me at all times because it's my best friend i've got a mario one wedding ring um so mario 35 was like something i felt like i'd been training my whole life for (laughs) i i know these levels backwards and forwards um so yeah, it was pretty easy to like route 
a win in that game or at least get to like the top three pretty much every single run. Uh, I, I think it took me like three tries. to. I mean, first day is going to be pretty easy because people don't really know the rules. So that's why I wish I had played Tetris 99 in the first day. I could have at least gotten one win before completely getting demolished by Tetris 99 Masters. Uh, yeah, I've seen the game now. It looks completely insane. Um, now that everyone has all the levels unlocked, because the weird thing was you had to, you pick a level at the beginning to throw into the hopper. And then in order to get more levels, you have to have played them or, or beaten them or something like that, or during the course of it. And then it would unlock in the main thing. But because no one had unlocked the harder levels and people were picking the first few a lot. I barely got to like world four or beyond. So that I wish it would have opened up faster because now all the levels are up for grabs and people are just filling the screens with bullet bills and the key twos. And it just looks insane. And, and it makes me happy all over again. Um, It's only going to be around till March. They said they're pulling it after that. Who knows what Nintendo is going to be doing in March. It sounds like, I mean, they could just, like, change their name or something. Like, <laughs> Nintendo is dead now. We are this company. Like, so many things. Like, you have the Mario Anniversary Collection that's going to be, yeah. uh, like, not for sale anymore after that. There was some other new thing that they just recently did where they were like, it's only available until this time in March. Uh, They're really going knows? Disney on us. Really, yeah. Don't know what they're planning on doing with that. It's, Except it's in 20 be... years when they re-release it, the, the, they'll just have to make a new one again. So why would you stop selling it? Yeah, especially digital. Like it doesn't. It does not make sense to stop selling something digitally like that. It doesn't. But no. we'll see. Uh, we only have a few months until that ticks down, and we'll see what Nintendo's plan is. I'm hoping it's something big. I'm hoping it isn't just like. It literally just disappears, and they don't mention it ever again. I'll pay a hundred dollars a year if I can play every single Mario game whenever I want to play any Mario game on some service. Oh, will you? Oh yeah. <laughs> just put every game. Hundred a year isn't that bad, huh? Yeah, for every every Mario game, bad. just throw them all on there. You can even cycle in and out Mario parties and Mario sports games and stuff. Just just all the Mario Mario games, please. Or just give us Mario Party 8 and never any other. Does Mario is Missing count as a Mario game? I'd take it. You get to play as Luigi. Of course I'll take that. So no, it's not a Mario game. It's a Luigi game. Uh, It's where in in Mushroom Kingdom is Mario San Diego. Anything else, Brian, with Mario 35? It's fantastic. I should probably play more of it. Speaking of Mario, my number five is Paper Mario Origami King. Woo! Um, this game was fantastic. Uh, really in the writing. Oh, yeah. It it made me laugh so many times throughout the journey. It yeah. is adorable. Um, yeah, speaking of yeah. games, I should pick up again. It's great. There's, there's a Breath of the Wild joke in there. Um, <laughs> It is it is a, a grand Mario adventure. It does not have the RPG trappings of your Thousand Year Door that we have not gone back to since that game. The thing that 
so many loud fans have been demanding we do. Uh, yeah, at but this that's point, okay. At this point, I don't think they're ever going to. No, I think one of the one of Miyamoto's demands were anytime you made a Mario game, you had to have like something different about it. And so, like the rule, whenever they make these Paper Mario games, is they have to come up with some obtuse mechanics for how you interact with enemies and stuff like that. Well, that's how like Nintendo does everything. Like you can't just make another one; you have to do something. Yeah, unless it's Luigi's Mansion. Well, yeah. No. <laughs> hey, Luigi's new. They definitely did stuff. They definitely changed things. Yeah, but they could have, and they could have done that easily with the Paper Mario stuff. They could have kept the main like battle system. I'm not, again. I'm not one of those people that are just like, oh, it's it's not as good as that because it isn't a turn based RPG. Yeah. Uh, but also, I didn't really care much for the battle system. It's all right. Um, I like some of the boss battles because the boss battles are just like really different. Um, but it's, it's a lot of paying attention and finding patterns, which is a decent puzzle game, but sometimes it just got really annoying when I would have to fight some of the, the smaller enemies and having to just move these rings around to line them up just right. And it just, took too long and I didn't feel like I got a, a good enough reward from it regularly to make it worth fighting them. Yeah, it's more but it is I, more puzzle game than RPG. Yeah, but I did love exploring, running around those worlds, finding all the little secrets in it, you know, that's that's where like it shines in its adventure game aspect of when you are just going from world to world exploring every nook and cranny f- trying to find all the little toads that you can there's toads um, everywhere i loved it man so it was it was toads. so great yeah yeah that that's that's definitely a game for jeremy there's just toads in like literally in the cracks in the walls yeah mm-hmm. i actually bought it because of the puzzles for the fighting the enemies because otherwise i pro- i don't tend to make it very far but I do agree that it got annoying when you would go back and run into them. But I did like that once you leveled up, you could surpass that. You can just couldn't you just like beat them out of existence at a certain Eventually. point. Certainly, yeah. It wasn't clear what level of enemy you could do. Like you had to remember it was the red Koopas that you could jump on, and they would immediately go away or like, you know, or the green Koopas or whatever, but like there would be the same type of enemy, just a different level of them that if you jumped on them, you would actually start a battle. Some of them, if you jumped on them, you would just knock them out and get coins, which if you went to like the very first world after you completed like the third world, yeah, pretty much all the enemies there, you could do that. But then they bring up some of the early enemies into the later levels and it's just so hard to remember which ones you can and can't yeah. just do like a quick battle with. See, I haven't gotten that far because the river made me motion sick. So mm. I stopped there and Brian actually just did the river for me because I try- I kept trying and kept quitting because it kept making me motion sick. So Brian just did the river for me a couple days ago. Yeah. But I kept going back because I'm trying to 100% the toads and some of the toads you have to actually get stronger and go back and get so yeah i've been having Um, a lot of fun with it though the story is adorable 
and what's the little origami prince's name or princess it's been forever i can't remember but she's great yeah her dialogue she just like does not get it she just does not get it no uh bobby's the best boy (laughs) um i love him very very much oh yeah 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 he's great (laughs) yeah it's it's a it's a fantastic game again amazing writing like the whole time i was like wait have i been missing out on this because i've skipped the last two like paper mario games and i was wondering like do i need to go back and play those like because the writing alone would be enough for me to go and turn my wii u back on and play that the color splash game well i mean i that's usually the strongest part of the paper mario and mario luigi games at least in the last 20 years is their writing is insanely solid and yeah. their gameplay has gone down in in uh in quality maybe but i've never played a paper mario game before but i'm interested <laughs> i liked it a lot they're just so snarky the snarkiness mm-hmm. is what got me let's go find the one for Wii. maybe you play that one that one's that one's weird and fun that one's good yeah Let's go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk about more of our games of 2020. Hey folks, it's Asif Khan, CEO and Editor-in-Chief over at ShackNews.com. Give a listen to our 9 to 5 Elon podcast about Tesla and electric vehicles and all sorts of cool stuff over there on the Greenlit Podcast Network. The award-winning Go Nintendo podcast covers the latest Nintendo news while also diving into what's hot in pop culture, music trivia, hands-on impressions, and so much more. Hopefully we can make you laugh, too. You'll find new episodes of the Go Nintendo podcast on the Greenlit Podcast Network every single week. All right, we are back for our games of 2020. Brian, what's your number four? My number four is Tony Hawk 1 plus 2. Uh, yeah. God, I forgot I played that. Oh, okay. Add add that to the list. That should have been my number three. <laughs> Coming in at BC's number three. All right. I thought your, I mean, I thought your number one was going to be into the breach again, but, you know. If only. <laughs> yeah. Once you said, uh, once you said Persona. But yeah, uh, Tony Hawk one and two uh, is... Some of the most fantastic fun I've had all year. <laughs> it was great. And it's really just replicating the games from, a, you know, two decades ago. Or yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but, you know, they added stuff from three and four into it, like the revert yeah. and stuff. So it's like the, the, the established Tony Hawk moveset placed into one and two and and they made them prettier, but they didn't make them prettier. Because everything's 20 years older, even the levels themselves, and they're all decrepit and broken down and graffitied on and just abandoned, like the mall is abandoned. Um, it's just great. <laughs> it feels like the game's just been sitting there all this time, like waiting for people to play it again. Yeah, like for people who are, I guess, older millennials, this is... But the Tony Hawk games were a defining point in my life for from a music perspective and from just, I guess, an, a video game and artistic perspective. Like, I played these games all the time. Oh, I yeah. listened to the soundtrack all the time. 
Tony Hawk is how I found out about like Del the Funky Homo Sapien and like <laughs> a bunch of punk bands and that sort of thing. Yeah. So it was kind of cool to relive that, but also the game was just solid. It ran super well. It didn't feel like a total cash grab of like, oh, hey, we're re-releasing this. It was thoughtfully done. And, you know, they did their best to make it unique from the original games, even though it's their remakes. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the added uh, online stuff also just works. Just it works. Uh, you, You drop like six people into one map and it just runs flawlessly um and it's fun and i would just sit there for hours like just all right load me up another course and six more people load me up another course let's just keep this going and just run around and do stuff i do want to say i think the menus are absolutely horrible in this oh window. it's the worst um, i don't understand how they did it this bad like i think the the way that they did the unlockable stuff was confusing even hours in oh yeah where i'm just like okay you can't even like you have these random tasks to do like do this trick this trick and this trick but you can't scroll maybe they've fixed it since then but you couldn't actually manually scroll the list of things you have to like highlight it and wait for it to like automatically scroll up and then it was never actually clear exactly like what you where you were needing to do some of these things and then and then then all of those lists are like in different categories so there's like gap lists and then there's trick lists and then there's you know some other kind of uh, you know and they all some of them will like each level's things are split up into a bunch of different categories it was Mm -hmm. oh uh, yeah navigating trying to find the shop consistently yeah trying to find stuff like eventually the shop was easier to figure out than the tricks and the menus and stuff like that like eventually mm-hmm. i got the shop figured out but yeah i played that like, game for a long 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 time and still couldn't get through those menus i played for a while before i was like oh yeah can't i play as someone other than tony hawk how do i even pick my skater but, oh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i had to look that up well the yeah, because they open up and make it, I believe you had to play as one of their skaters for, like, the first run that you do in the Probably. game. Probably. I think when you, like, start the career mode, the first level you play as, you can't do create a skater yet, I think. Because that's, I went in the same thing. I wanted to make a create a skater immediately, but, like, I couldn't find it until I, like, completed one level. Yeah, I wanted to I, make one, too, just because of the our hard drive Facebook group, someone was like, all right, put your, your Tony Hawk created characters up. And so I put my uh, sunset overdrive created character up in the group to see if anyone would notice. But then I went ahead. It's a similar art style. Yeah. (laughs) And then I went ahead and made one, but yeah, I had to like, I had to look that up. I needed cheats to, to make my character. I don't know. I tried to unlock officer Dick and, like there's so many things you have to do. You can't just like finish and get all gold medals and all tapes with everyone. You have to like do all these gaps and, and a bunch of other crap. And like one of the gaps, I just can't, I can't do it. I can't do that gap. I, I can't. So I'm never going to get officer Dick. So I'm, I'm not happy about that, but um, I yeah. stopped playing it somewhere in the, I think it was the New York level. Yeah. I think, um, 
where there was a gap because I was 100%ing everything before I went to the next level. And there was just this one gap that I could not consistently make. And you had to do like three of these different gaps in a single run. And it was yeah. like, I was, I got to the the pattern where I was like, okay, I can do two of them. And I looked one up and it was like, the gap is jumping off of this building and landing on a rail that you can't see down below when you're jumping off the ramp. And it's is just that like, San Francisco? I, I don't remember, but there was that, that is where I gave up. Okay. And, uh, haven't gone back since. See, I, I got upset that unlike the original game, once you clear all tapes and all gold medals in both games with your creative character, like that's it. Cause in the other game, they've like, updated that since then. Oh, cause like you have to go start, like you can start all over with a different person, but all the tapes and stuff are done. Like I was like, okay, now I'm going to do this with rune Glyphberg because I'm done doing it with my created skater. And it was like, no, you yeah, don't have to do that anymore. anymore. Like, but I want to do that. That's the game. Like, now that I've conquered this character and their moves, I need to conquer this character and their moves, and 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 completely gold the whole game with everybody. So I don't know. I still had a crap load of fun with it. I think I spent an hour and a half one night just practicing Madonnas because that's like my most important trick and it's the basis like if you get a, a good madonna high score you can start the trick with that and just build a multiplier off of it and start putting up million point combos and embarrassing fools online so a good madonna is the is the key to a good trick you heard it here first yeah <laughs> so uh for my number 4 uh i'm picking a 2019 game Death Stranding. Oh. Uh, I didn't really start playing this game until the beginning of the year. Came out late last year. Yeah, it didn't make your um, list last year. It made Jess's. No, no, yeah, it made Jess's, and she still like was barely in it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I want to say I put like eighty hours into that game, something like that total, getting all the way to the end, and that isn't even everything on there. Um. That game is so bizarre. And I mean, it's a Kojima game. Of course it is. But it's crazy how much I loved this game that was literally just fetch quests. <laughs> the whole thing is fetch quests. Like all you're doing is going back and forth, delivering things from one person to another. Occasionally some monsters show up where you got to either shoot them or run away from them. Sometimes you got to use a little lasso gun to inc incapacitate weird guys that want to steal all your stuff. Um, Those weird guys, man. Yeah, it is. It is a fetch quest game. And for whatever reason, I adored it. I think uh, by the end of it, my favorite thing about it was the fact that you could set these little relay points you you can set these points that can just do this like mile long zip line and it can go up down wherever you just have to be able to see the two points and so i can create my own paths up these mountains and just like flying up and down up and down just getting to these like point a to point b as quickly and efficiently as i can and it just felt fun climbing and setting down one point and then like looking around and being like, okay, if I go here, I think if I can climb this little 
crag here on this mountain. I can put one there and then I could basically jump over this mountain in like 30 seconds using my little zip lines. And that just felt so satisfying. Uh, just coming up with my own little path that way. Yeah, that is a really cool part of the game where you're like, you're making your own highways through the world that like, okay, if I can just get to there, I know I have something set up that will help me vault over this mountain. So let's head that way. Yeah. And the weird community aspect of it was yeah. crazy too. The one thing that it does that I want to see in more games is that you have this giant open world map. That is just this destroyed mountainous land. Like everything is rough terrain. But if there are paths that people consistently take, you will literally see paths appear in your game for whatever is the most common route for things. So literally like when you're on a trail and there's a footpath somewhere where it isn't necessarily like someone took it upon themselves to lay down and flatten out this ground. It's just enough people walked down this one path that it made that area flatter. And it does this in the game with just anybody else that's playing the game. Like you don't actually see these people, but you see the effects that they have on their game. And that is so cool. This makes me want to start playing this game again. It's really good. And then you can like their path and their bridge and stuff. Yep. I can't believe how much fun I had just watching people play this game. Like, I could watch <laughs> it for hours and hours and hours. Well, let me tell you about uh, my new Twitch channel where Tiffy watches me play that game. Well, I'm just saying, like, a lot of them I get sick of. And... Yeah. I want to talk about the story, but and the thing is, is it's obtuse enough that if it, even if I say these things, by the time anyone plays it, if they haven't, they'll forget it and still get caught off guard by it. But it like it has to do with like the end of the world and there's some time travel involved and there's like beings on the other side of of like reality on life and death and you're dealing with like ghosts that are like vengeful but you don't know why and they want to steal the baby that you have inside of the container on your chest. Of course. Um, but then it goes because the Death Stranding is a thing in the game and it is like the other world where when people die, they, their spirit goes to there. So it is just like, it, it's, it's so bizarre. And the, <laughs> like, that's, uh, it's, it's hard to explain this game. And even by the end of it, when I was like, I think I understand that's everything that's going on. Unlike the metal gear solid games, I just can't explain any of it, man. Cause you really, it is one of those games that you really have to be there. Like you have to see these people and experience these things because otherwise none of it makes sense because it doesn't make sense for like the first like 20 hours, even in the story. Like it just doesn't make any sense yeah. at all. And then it isn't really until like the very end that things start to make a little bit of sense. And that's kind of like the Kojima twist that normally in, in his games, you'd get the twist at the very end, like post credits that would then like lead into the next game. And this one, you get it near the end that kind of explains everything that's going on, but it's still just so confusing. And there's even just this, this part at the end that I just have to bring up where they reference the Mario games, <laughs> like Norman, <What>? Norman, 
Norman Reedus references like Princess Peach. And they they use a pun where they they someone says, "You'll be my Mario, I'll be your Princess Beach," because because they're, they're on a the beach, the beaches are part of the Death Stranding. That's where the Death Stranding is. Is it's an eternity of beaches. Did and he? Did Kojima scan Captain Lou Albano into the game for this? No. Okay. Why would he? I don't know. Just why does Kojima do anything he does? because he loves us and cares very much about us. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if I want a Death Stranding 2 or if I just want to be like, dude, tell me another story. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't necessarily need more of that world, but just like, you got something else in that brain, man. Let's hear that now, too. Like, this this was a whole original thing and it is the craziest thing I've ever seen. I mean, if we can't Do get original again. stories out of Kojima, like who, who are, you know, who are we going to be able to get them from? Like if he can't, if he can't have the freedom to do stuff like that, then no one does. Yeah. There it's, is a, it's an amazing game. There's a hard times article that said something to the effect of, we as a society cannot allow Hideo Kojima to read Infinite Jest. <laughs> All right, Brian, what's your number three? Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, you guys want to kill trees with me? I, I really like killing trees. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Uh, was it Remnant from the Ashes? Yep. Oh, yeah. I had so much fun with that game this year. That game was a blast. This game drove me crazy. Why, though? I literally haven't heard anything about this game outside of you guys saying that you wanted to kill trees. I had never seen Brian saying that. Well, I mean, yeah, because the very first area was nothing but evil trees attacking us. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this game is awesome. Also, we kill trees, apparently. So... Yeah, uh, set trees on fire. Uh, one of the things Donnie would say was, "You want to like, you want to make some mulch tonight." Um, yeah, it, this game is Resident Evil Five and Dark Souls, basically. I feel like I can make my own list of video games on how annoying this video game makes my husband. <laughs> this one's a four out of five. Well, it's coming in at number five. <laughs> I mean, I guess I did yell uh, "big boy, big boy" a lot because every time you hear this like big drum, it means there's a like elite character enemy somewhere nearby. I'm like, "big boy, big boy," is usually how I would signal to everyone that there was one of those. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It it's a kind of class based, or I guess based on your loadout. I always went sniper and and short range. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is about that game that was so much dang fun to just hook up with a buddy online and go kill trees for a few hours. I mean, we even got out of the levels where there were trees anymore, and, and you know. I was going to say that the whole trees thing is literally just the first world. Like, yeah, yeah. It's not even, that's not even what the game's about. Like, it's uh, just... Yeah, no. But then the the longer you play it, you the, lo- the more you realize, oh my gosh, there actually is something going on here. It's not just mindless run and gun there's some like really weird story happening about other dimensions and uh crazy just like 
I don't know, other species or gods or it's real confusing, but it's really cool. We just got done talking about Death Stranding, so yeah, it's it's really confusing. But uh, I, at one point, I knew a lot about it, and then every time you uh, you kill a boss, like there's a lot of things the game just doesn't tell you, and you got to figure out. And every time you kill a boss, you you get like a a token that if you show it to the right guy in the hub area with all the merchants and stuff, you get like a sweet new weapon. And one day I got like three new weapons because I didn't realize what was happening. And yeah, kill trees, man. You should kill trees. No, I want to give that game another shot. Uh, they did just put out like an ultimate edition that has like a bunch of DLC with it too. Yeah, they also just uh released a non VR version of the prequel game for this. Okay, uh, I didn't called, know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's called Chronos Before the Ashes. And so the fact that this is like. As 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 much of a, a sucker I am for like connected games and stuff like that, when they said that they have a 3D action adventure game that is the prequel to this, suddenly I'm like, oh, I'm more interested now because you have two completely different genre of games that are in the same world. And I'm like, I don't know why I like that idea. Yeah. But that idea alone makes me want to play that whole series. So I don't know. When you get your PS5, maybe we'll um, I'll pick it up and yeah, yeah, I will definitely do that. Play again. Is it cross-platform? Yeah. No, not yeah. not at the moment. They haven't announced anything for that either. So my number three is a game called The Pathless. Oh this yeah, is a uh, giant squid's latest game. The game before this they made was Abzu, and then before that, when they were that game company, they made Journey. One of my all-time favorite games. Um, This game is incredible. It is a big open world game with minimal combat that is all about Korok puzzles. You literally just have this world that is just uh, has all these little puzzles hidden throughout it that it doesn't tell you anything like what you're supposed to do but you just like sort of read the environment and sometimes it's just, you walk along a little path and you do it in the, in the way it sort of shows on there. Uh, a, a lantern appears and it gives you XP to power up your little Falcon bird that you have that lets you glide around the world. Um, it is a gorgeous game. It does. So the only weapon you have is a bow and arrow and you don't ever have to aim with your arrow. It auto aims and it's all about timing of when you loose an arrow. So there's like two different points that you can do it. You have like a little circle thing that fills up. If you, you can either hold it down all the way and let it fill all the way up and let go. Or if you can time it just right at the halfway mark, you get like a big running boost. So the whole game is just about you running around this world. There's like very little guidance to it. There's no map. You can bring up sort of a uh, a detective mode style thing that it'll like light up areas that you've been to. So you can bring up this thing. You can find a really high point up, bring it up and look around and be like, that area is dark. I haven't been over there. So I'm going to go wander off into that area, find these little puzzles all around me. And just again, it is it is a Breath of the Wild style game, but without really any of the action and just focusing on like little puzzles and it's fantastic i want to play this game uh austin winery did the um soundtrack 
also did the Journey soundtrack, one of my all-time favorites. So it's just so, so good. My only complaint is with the the fact that you don't have your map. It gets to the point where you can't tell where necessarily like, okay, I've been, I've ran past this place, but I didn't actually see it when I was running past it. So my map will say I've been there, but there may have been some puzzle thing in there that I just didn't notice at the time. Yeah. And now it's really hard for me to like skim through and be like, okay, I hadn't found this thing here. You don't, and again, like the Koroks in Breath of the Wild, you don't have to get everything to like max out and get, you know, all the trophies is what I did. Um, but it's just so good. It is this, it is absolutely gorgeous. There are these four giant bosses that you have to fight that kind of reminded me of shadow of the Colossus, except you're not like climbing them, but you do have to like chase after them. Once you've done that, they can also sneak up on you. You'll be out in the map and they, they are, uh, whenever you get into a new map area, um, they are this giant glowing red orb somewhere on the map and they will teleport around. And if you get too close, they will start to follow you. And if you're not paying attention, you can get sucked up by them. (laughs) And then you have this thing where your little Falcon um, gets taken away from you and you have to go and find him. No, it's just, it's so good. And there, there were a couple times that I'm like trying to do a puzzle. And then I saw everything around me was starting to turn red. And I'm like, Oh no, you don't No, you don't. And I like, (laughs) I had to run away. Like I was like, well, I can't solve this puzzle because I don't want to get sucked into this thing right now. So I just like jumped off a cliff and flew down. The, the blood moon rises on you. It, it yeah, it, it's it's a similar kind of visual of that. Um, but yeah, it it's so good. The Pathless is uh, it doesn't have much of a story. There is more story than they've ever had in any of their games before, but it's still not really a story. There's a bad guy. He's trying to do bad things. You're trying to stop him. That's it. But there's also a lot of stuff to still read in there, but it doesn't really tell you anything. It just sort of is like you find these like dead bodies that you can hear like their last words. And it's all just like this bad guy's really bad. <laughs> it, you know, it's a lot more elegant and poetic than I'm doing it. This, but this evil mage is really af- evil. Yeah. Uh, the God Slayer. He's really destroying everything. Yeah. But I cannot recommend that game enough. Uh, I only just finished that game on my PS5. It's on. So here's the thing. That game's on PS4, but it's also on uh, iPhone. What? Yeah. It's on Apple Arcade. Oh. Well, didn't they didn't yeah. they put out an iPhone game too? That's like a sequel to Journey? Uh, Sky. Yes, but that, I believe, was a different team. I think that was the other schism from that game company. Right, okay. I don't think it was Giant Squid. Okay. Because I believe there were two different ones uh, that they kind of, like, split off in different ways. And Giant Squid was one of them. There was, I believe it was a different one. I don't know if there's, they may still be using that game company. That other game company. Uh, But, yeah, there's there's the the Sky game, Children of Light. Different game company. Yeah. No, yeah, Sky Children of Light is that game company still. So, okay. but who knows what that what that team is at this point? But yeah, cannot recommend that enough. If you got if you got a PS4, if you got a PS5, and you want just a big open world game to just run around in and 
find collectibles and just explore. Like if you love the exploration of Breath of the Wild, this game hits it. It, it's, it hits it more so than I've seen in a lot of games that have been taking inspiration from Breath of the Wild. Like I saw the things of the, the like the new Assassin's Creed and the, uh, God, it's not Gods and Monsters, Immortals. That is like just a, uh, you know, clearly taking influence from Breath of the Wild, but they, they didn't seem to get that exploration part and just sort of the free form, explore at your own pace and discover the things on your own. And Pathless does that. And it's fantastic. Yeah. I was going to make a joke until you mentioned Phoenix. I was like, okay, so Phoenix, Immortals Rising. Good to know. Thanks, Jeremy. No. <laughs> All right. Brian, I know what your number two is. Should we talk about uh, Animal Crossing? Yeah, my number two is Animal Crossing New Horizons for the Switch. Woo! Um, We've been waiting for this game forever. Yes. Too long. And I played a lot of it. And honestly, I'm kind of split on it. I almost didn't put it on my list. Because of how hard I fell off of it. Yeah. Yeah, I... uh, I Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Okay, all right. Well, I... I, uh, Yeah, I had a super fun blast with it. And and then I I got a lot of the things I wanted out of it real fast. And sort of started falling off pretty quick. And I felt sad, but I, I still love it. I went to grab my Switch to look, and I played, it says, 500 hours or more. Okay. Um, I got to, there was a point in my life where all I was doing was playing Animal Crossing, including at lunch at work, and I was watching nothing but streamers playing Animal Crossing. I was known in the networks of the streamers, um... I broke my phone because I took my phone into the shower to watch a stream and it fell. And That's true. That did happen. <laughs> then in July, I fell off entirely. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's not fair to say, like, to penalize the game that I spent hundreds of hours on to be like, oh, at some point I saw all I wanted to see. Therefore, it's bad. Yeah, I like I don't I don't know cuz the the thing that that killed it for me was I just had so much money all of a sudden and 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 getting the money was more important than spending the money on things other than, you know, maybe a bridge construction or my house upgrading, but like in the older games, my house would get upgraded slowly because i was grinding out that those bells but then also spending those bells and as i upgraded my house i was also decorating it and so it kind of went hand in hand and this time around it was just like oh my house is upgraded maybe i should fill some of the rooms up um with something other than fish because i just fish i if there was one thing i could have done differently in my play style i would have never touched turnips yeah I think I got way too much money too quickly with the turnips. Yeah. And that ruined so much of it for me because I didn't have that carrot to chase, which was, yeah, expanding your house. But to be fair, 
I don't think they did. They put enough stuff in there for you to buy regularly that it really was just fashion items for you to buy. Which I'm okay with if I could buy more than one fashion item at a time. If I could have gone through there and been like, I want this, I want this, I want this. Ooh, that looks cool. I'll try that on. Let me try that on. But you have to try each thing on at a time unless it's, you know, you can't buy like three shirts at once. See, I liked making a daily outfit. I liked going in there and being like, all right, this is the outfit I'm building today. And just being like, I can only buy one of each thing. Yeah. That's how I sort of stretched out. And I, I like that part, but I just wanted more things to buy. And they did just didn't have that there. Well, you, you could, I could make it a daily outfit after I bought all the things in the store. I liked that day and then went home and went like, all right, let's, let's see everything. Cause every day I'd go in there and spend way more time than I needed to, to buy the like, you know, 10 to 15 things that I thought were cool that day. And then could mix and match them at home, but it just took so long. Yeah, it took a long time to do that, but I fell more into the community aspect where I would go to people who I didn't know. I'd go and we would catalog where if you touch things, you can then go to your place and buy it and stuff like that. Because I was making a pink and white themed uh, place because I was making a cult. Yeah, your project was much bigger than my projects were. Yeah, but I never, or I did briefly. I briefly played Animal Crossing in the past, but I was making a cult, so I was trying to make it super cute, but also super creepy. So it looked really cute. There were creepy dolls, all this other stuff in the back that, in my secret beach, beach it said help in blood, and <laughs> my basement was creepy, all this stuff, but... I had a lot of the community aspect, which was especially nice during COVID. So I got to like interact with a lot of people and do stuff like that. And um, because of the turnip market and stuff and the um, the star showers and stuff like that, I got to Mm -hmm. bring a lot of people on who I met from other places that could come do that and stuff like that so i used it a lot more as a community thing than the things that disillusioned you guys who wanted more of the thing that you had in the past well yeah and this is probably the first animal crossing game where there was always a community like in the first one it was around message boards you could trade with anyone if you wanted to produce a 20 character phrase or you know whatever and you could trade that way through message boards and stuff but this has made it easier than ever to connect with people run around their islands and you know and then do like trading parties and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and that's really cool the reason i even got into the whole community thing was because the first streamer i got into she was playing the game bells or no bells and i went on that Mm-hmm. And that's how I fell into all that. And it's just really interesting and creative. And Yeah, that's like probably the coolest part about that game. And, and, you know, you don't really need money to do that. You can just, you need uh, Nook Miles tickets to or whatever to fly to other people's uh, islands. And you could trade those even. Like, you really don't even need money to be involved in the community. Which... You don't need tickets to go to other people's islands. Yeah, no, I, I'm dumb. You're right. But, you know... That that would have been something, I, you know, if I just, 
I could have leaned more on that if I didn't have all the money in the world that I could have done. Well, it's not what you want. were there for. No, it was what I was there for. I just got swept up in all the turnips. And, and at that point, it was just like, well, I don't really need to get all these items anyway because I've just got a lot of money and I don't necessarily care anymore. You know, if I didn't have as much money, I would be doing that stuff with you too. So I could have my catalog filled out. And then when I had the money, I could, you know, plan the room the way I wanted it. And instead of just having a bunch of empty rooms. I found the things that came with like the Nook mile ticket and the Nook things were harder to get because I'd have to be like, well, what did your island come with? Which colors did you get for the lighthouse and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, that? that's true. So that was kind of fun. I so I got this game for my girlfriend not long after it came out who does not play any video games. The only reason the she was able to play it because her son had a switch that he didn't play anymore. But I was like, you should see this game because it is a simple game, but it's super cute and it's something that we can play together. And she fell hard into it. Mm-hmm. She played, you know, at least twice as much as I did. And she had a similar thing with Tiffy. She went really into the community parts of it, made a lot of friends, had like found some Facebook groups to trade stuff in. Uh, A lot of what her focus was, is, was designing like the ideal rooms in her house. She never did anything else outside of the house. Like we always made the joke where my island was so well kept and organized because I did the paths right and I put all these walls up and I loved doing all that stuff and just making it look like a city kind of thing and designating all these areas. Her island, as much time as she spent on it, never looked anything close to mine because she always focused in the house where my house was the inverse where it was just a mess where I maybe had a couple themed rooms, but they barely had anything in it. You just had stuff thrown around. Yeah, and it's great that we could do that, right? Like, it's great that we had both of those options and we could both play that way. But we also both fell off at, like, the exact same point because we were doing the turnip stuff. Because with all the money she had, she bought everything that she wanted. And then she was like, well, I did it. And I just wish that they had kept a good um, release schedule. Of being like, here's some new things. Like they just put it, they did their seasonal stuff, which was normal, but there was still so much other things missing from it that even someone who had, doesn't even play video games was feeling that too. That because she felt like she checked off and did all that stuff, she lost all interest in talking to people about it. She still loves it. She still like loves Animal Crossing. Like she is, she is an Animal Crossing fan now. But she just doesn't play the game anymore and probably might not ever go back unless something major changes with it. Which is usually how Animal Crossing goes. Yeah, same thing happened to me. And I saw her in those groups. I was very surprised. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anything else to add to Animal Crossing? BC? I mean, I cried the first night, hey. when, night when I booted the game up, so I was really happy. <laughs> yeah, I would say... Similar to you, Jeremy, uh, I bought my partner a um, a Switch for this game uh, because she had been waiting forever to play it again. And I never played Animal Crossing, but everyone I knew, it 
consume their lives. And it was just kind of a a cool cultural thing that everyone I knew that played video games and everyone I knew that didn't really play video games was always posting their outfits or like trading dodo codes to go to each other's islands and that sort of thing. And people still get excited about um, new updates as far as like all the seasonal things. So it was cool to watch from a third person perspective. Nice. So Brian, before we get into talking a bunch about Hades, why don't you go ahead and throw out what your number one is for 2020? Okay. Um, yeah, I think the best game of the year is definitely Hades, but, uh, my number one game and the game I probably sank more time into was for the King. Um, when did that come out? (laughs) I think last year, but it was Kickstarter. So probably was an alpha or a beta or something like that at some point. So who knows? But, um, yeah, I just happened to find it. Uh, A friend brought it up. And he was like, oh, yeah, I heard about this D&D game. And I had just played some D&D the weekend before. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm like in full D&D mode. And I don't know when the next time we're going to actually get together to do that is. So, yeah, dude, let's play some let's play some of that. Uh, It is a roguelike hex grid map. uh, Fog of War. You get dropped in the middle of it. You can't really see anything. You don't know where everything is. It's the map changes. I mean, there are, there are certain biomes and enemies in those biomes, but uh, they it just shuffles the whole map. It could be anywhere. There's oceans and seas to sail across. You can get a boat and hop on the ocean, sail around faster that way, but you might get hit by the Kraken, and Kraken's annoying, and until it's not, you can destroy it. Um like you shouldn't be sitting there grinding in the game. You should be trying to move through it as quickly as you can, but we oftentimes end up slowing down, stopping to get everything we can, powering up as much as possible before whichever campaign you're doing. There's like five different ones you can do. Uh there's a final battle or castle or tower you have to get to and and after that it basically you die. You beat the bad guy, but you are also killed in the process, and and your heroes are lost forever, and you got to restart because it's a roguelike. So you die winning. Um, but yeah, I I Yay. I I I, uh, I got into this with my with like I said with my friend Donnie, and like we would just you know it's a three person team. I would let him control two. I would take the the middle guy. There's like eight different classes, like four at the beginning. You can unlock more, or I think nine different classes. Um, and so, yeah, we would just kind of have like two or three games going at once on different maps with different classes. And be like, hey, you want to try the do the snow team this time? Like, oh, yeah, let's do the snow level. And I'm playing as a, as a hunter on that one, or I'm playing as a like a heavy on a different one or something like that. But... I I have found also that when Donnie's not around and I try and play it single player, I just get bored out of my mind. And the thing that I find most fun about it is that it when it's a collaborative process and where like you know you're treat you have to treat it like a D and D party. If you separate, you, you know you're screwed. Like you're gonna get a party wipe if 
someone goes out on their own too much unless they're just like really capable. Um, so you have to kind of plan out how you're going to move all three of your guys around the screen together. And when I do it by myself, I'm just like real careless and I'm not really thinking about it. And I don't, you know, not taking precautions, but when someone else is there to bounce ideas off of, it becomes just a lot more fun to play. I think, um, you had said what divinity original sin there's, uh, what's the new Baldur's Gate three is really D and D like, and that one allows you to play multiplayer with friends. So I, I want to maybe try looking into that. I know some people that are real hard RPG fantasy people. So maybe I should see if they want to do that, but, uh, hang on. I think divinity might be multiplayer too. Oh, well then I'd go for that. Yeah. It's got multiplayer. All right. Did anyone ever play Light Fingers? I remember being no! excited for that and then never ever playing it. Yeah, we were no all like really about it. into that. Yeah, because it looked like a collaborative stopped, board game or whatever. We stopped doing a lot of our in-person game nights. Yeah. Uh, before that game came out, where we kind of got more focused on just recording podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Is it? But does it have online? If Lightfingers has online, maybe we should give it a try. I'd be in for that. Yeah, but if everyone has to buy a copy, I'm sure it's like five dollars or something. No, it's probably like twenty dollars. It'd be a sexy twenty dollars though. <laughs> yeah, uh, killing orcs always fun, no matter what you do, especially when you do it with friends though. Um. So yeah, I I think that my top five were. Basically based on how much of, of my life did I sink into it. And um, yeah, I sank a whole lot of time into this game. Probably more than I did with Hades. but And that's the only reason why I put it ahead of it. So Fair. Um, yeah, fantastic game. Speaking of Hades, coming in at number one for myself and BC and Brian's number two. Let's talk about Hades, boys. God, it's good. So good. Okay. <laughs> so, so good. So, okay, Supergiant. How many... Have you guys played any other Supergiant games? Uh, No. I played the beginning of Bastion, but that's it. Okay. I didn't right. have access to yeah. any of their games, really. I guess maybe I did have access to Pyre by the time I got an Xbox. I think that might have just come out, but... But uh, yeah, at, at the, when their games launched, I just really didn't have a way to play them. Well, Pyre only came out on PlayStation. Oh, so then yeah, uh, I definitely did not. Bastion came out on 360. Yeah, I didn't have a 360 when it came out. Um, but yeah, uh, I've played all their games. Pyre is the only one I didn't. I wasn't crazy about, just because I didn't like the sports ball thing. But I still loved like the story. Jeremy's and prejudiced and against certain kinds of games. It's okay, everyone. Yep, sports games. They're boring. <laughs> uh and yeah, this game, it is it is the best of Supergiant. At like easily. Okay. It takes all the different aspects of their previous games and then just merges it into this perfect mold that also really just like peaked the genre of the roguelike games like it just it 
feels like this is what we've been leading up to because the the actual story works within the roguelite story yeah and that's just incredible like no game has really done anything like that um yeah i guess no i guess not i mean i don't know if that works in the story with dead cells that you're just a bunch of cells is like ah all right here i'll try again the the thing the what makes it different with Hades is that you actually progress the story when you die. When you die in Dead Cells, you fall down into a gutter and you're like kicked back to level and one. And you're mad. Just to be like, try better next time. Yeah. And that's okay. all it is. And with Hades, it's it is part of the world that you die. It is no, it's fantastic. in your character that you will die. And then and then you go and uh hang out. With the people who may or may not have killed you at the in the lounge and stuff, <laughs> and and the lounge, yeah, yeah, the getting back to Hades' house is my favorite part of the game. Almost like, oh yeah, I just died, but hey, Hypnos is going to be there, and he's going to say something weird, and then Dad's going to scoff at me, and I'm going to go poke fun at Meg, and because I beat her up again, and and you know, like it's just going to be a good old time. Yeah, you would think uh, it, typically those kind of games, when you die, you're just sort of like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and put this game down now and I'll come back to it for another run some other time. But when I die, I'm like, well, I need to go and talk to everybody before I can take a break. Like, I need to actually, like, see what everyone has to say. And I always, like, will take a, I will always, like, turn the game into sleep mode just before I'm about to start my next round. Yes. I'll even pick the next weapon I'm going to yes. use. Bef- and then be like, all right, I'm set up. I'm ready for the next one. But when I play it again tomorrow, you know. Or 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 sometimes I know when I start up, well, maybe I should go look at the mirror again. But but yeah, I start back in the weapon room every time. The, wor- the worst is when like you pause mid-game and then you come back to it a day or two later and you're thinking... What boons do I have? What weapon am I even using? What was I trying to do? Yeah. Well, like Dead Cells, I could pop out a run at, during lunch pretty easily. Uh, Hades, not so much. And so, like, if I'm mid-run on my lunch break and I'm, like, really just churning, like, like I, I, I'm in a groove. I know when I get home and I pick that run back up in the middle of Elysium or whatever, like, no. I'm not going to, this isn't going to, it's not going to work. I'm not going to be back. I'm not going to be in that groove. I'm not going to know exactly what my, my weapons are or like what I'm dealing with or anything like that. It's like, oh yeah, the switch, you could just put it down and pick it back up again. Not no, not this game. No, you need to like finish the run. I think the thing that, that drew me in was not just the level of variety, but I feel like the game keeps unfolding as you play so the story progresses but even with the story and gameplay elements you start playing and then you get to a certain point where you think you've got it figured out and then it's like oh there's this whole other aspect to the game that i don't that i didn't even think of so like you beat the game and the first time you make it through hades you get to the the scene after you beat the final boss quote unquote and it it's like, oh, so this is what the game is about. And then you keep playing, mm. and then you eventually see the ending, and I'm still working on trying to get to the epilogue, which I just want to know what the epilogue is. But I feel like 
every time the more you play it just expands so it's this very linear game in terms of you're trying to do the same thing every time but the game feels larger and larger as you progress yeah like that's also the uh, a good gameplay loop aspect of it is that when you get done you're like just when i think i'm starting to like get burned out or like oh well i guess i could grind out some more titan's blood or something like that all of a sudden there's there's actually more for you to like there's new stuff for you to get and there's new aspects of your run that you might want to like uh focus on or be like oh well now i kind of want some you know i need some decorating gems so i'm gonna make a run where i just no i'm not even gonna try and get out i'm just gonna try and get as much of those gems as i can so i can unlock something in the house and then now i've got new weapons that are getting unlocked so okay now i want to start like grinding out those and there's just always a new carrot at the end of the stick when once you've consumed the the original carrot you look up and there's another carrot there and you're like oh cool i think the only problem with it is that you can this is what i did is i pigeonholed myself into one specific god i kept giving uh all my nectar to and i had one specific goal of hey, I'm going to try and make it... I'm going to try and do this thing before I unlock all the weapons. Or I'm going to try and do this before I check out something else. And at the end of the day, I figured out, oh, the game probably would have been easier if I spread myself across everything and tried to upgrade everything at once. But, but you I didn't know that. Focused on, yeah, I didn't know. But I focused on the things that I thought were coolest, and that was where I put all my time and effort. And then... in after the fact, I realized, oh, there's still tons of other stuff I could be doing. Tons of other powers mm-hmm. I didn't even try or know I could get. I focused, like, all of mine at first on Karen. Because I just wanted him to say something. Oh. I just wanted, at the very end, I kept giving him gifts every single time. <laughs> and I don't, did, did you guys get the last one from him? Yeah, I think he was the first guy I did because yeah. I wanted better deals. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just like, because the whole time, every time, like, you know, you'll talk to him and he always just goes, <sighs> and that's like it. But then if you do the last one, he goes like, thank you. <laughs> like, it's just, there's a, there is a slight little variation and you're just like, oh wait, did you say something else? And then it just goes back to it. And it's like, yeah, you get, you get. What you get? You get discounts on his on his stuff. No, right? No, no. You don't get discount. His um, his item gives um, his keepsake gives you extended benefits. Right. I meant when. Yeah, I was talking about when you when I hunt uh, when I got his final one. No, when I gifted him over and over. No, and over. you don't get anything good for them for that. No, I knew that you. When I said that, Brian, you initially said, "Yeah, you get discounts." He was. You were the first. No, that's why I went after did. him. Because he did it. No, that's so I was like, I assumed I was going to get a sweet discount if he was my best friend, and that did no. not end up being the case. You can get discounts. That's not how you get them. Yeah. Well, how do you get discounts? What do you mean? Do you not know? Um, there. Maybe I, I was, just forget. There is. Oh. So, so spoilers. Uh, you can fight Karen. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You if you steal his him, money, you get a discount card for that run. Oh, okay, cool. You have to like take Just his money though, right? Run. Yeah. 
you, you get the option to borrow money from him. And if you borrow money from him, you're thrown into a boss battle. So. Yeah, I, I never was ballsy enough to take that money. So I didn't know that you got like a discount card for beating him. Okay. If you haven't done it, the boss battle is pretty fun. Give it a try. Okay. Um, I, w- well, I also wanted so- to shout out to Vernie, my best friend. Um, Vernie's the best. The absolute uh, best progression, story progression in that entire thing is slowly over time deciding you're going to call the, the Bone Hydra by a name. And its name is, is and Vernie. It's, and it's... Yeah. Oh, I love it so much. And it just his name pops up every time. Vernie the Bone Dra- or the Bone Hydra. Uh, so there's even a part where you pick your, you know, in the weapon room. There's the part where you pick, you can pick a little bonus too. Yeah. That there's a bottom half. I haven't, I didn't even unlock that. I don't even know how to do that. Oh yet. really? Yeah. That's like a didn't whole even, like, section of the game. You should, yeah. Well, I ro- I rolled credits and I said I'm gonna wait until. They announced some expansion for it. I wasn't going to go back until like Supergiant is like, because with the way they've been doing this stuff, I I would not be surprised at all if we get an announcement like within the next couple months of them being like, we have a new expansion for Hades coming out. It's going to continue this story here. And when they do that, I'm going to go back in and keep playing it. Yeah. I, I, you know, I spent enough time on that where I was like, all right, I got credits. I got my story. I'm going to go ahead and play a different game. Yeah, I did 100 runs, and I never got any of the companions. Really? Yeah. I think so, it's just because I didn't max out friendship with some like certain people. Yeah. Is, is that so, how you do it? Uh, you have, like, Is that how you get the companion So thing? I guess spoiler in that, like you didn't preface that, that we're, uh, that's what it is. I don't yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Cool. I just there's I know that those things exist and I that's probably what I haven't done. So there's there's like even once you roll credits, there's a couple different things you can do and there are I don't know exactly what they are, but there's special things for um to to for beating the game under certain conditions, uh which you can unlock after you beat the game the first time. Uh so I mean, there's there's upgrading weapons and unlocking new weapons, and um, there's more story and dialogue conversations. So there's my favorite character. I didn't complete her story arc until long after I had rolled credits on the game. So I think there's still tons to do. And the amount of dialogue, which is probably the biggest thing about this game, is even still I'm getting new dialogue clips that I'd never heard before. Uh, and mm-hmm. it wasn't until like after way after I was done with the main story that, you know, some of the characters started repeating things that they said, like Hypnos has a quip for anything that can kill you essentially. And even once you get past the point where you're consistently beating the game, he still has tons of one liners, yeah. which I think was the most yeah. charming thing is that it always felt new because you were wondering what the characters were going to say next. Constantly. One of my favorite things that happened in that game is in Elysium in the Colosseum battle, which never got easy for me. <laughs> Every single time. The rest of the game got easier and easier for me. Even the final battle of each run got easier for me. 
but always doing that Coliseum fight was like, oh boy, okay, I gotta really, I'm building up for that Coliseum fight every time. There's a lot but to remember. Eventually, well, eventually you do it enough, and then one of the souls in the audience puts out a flag for you, where at one, eventually you go through it enough that one of them starts rooting for you. And I thought that was amazing. And I even walked up to him and he had something to say. Like the soul didn't say anything, but I had something to say to him and be like, he was like, Hey, how's it going? Glad you came out tonight. That's great. <laughs> and then you just, then you just go on. It's, it, it, it's these little things that they just sprinkle throughout of it. And you get these in a lot of games. You you can, you'll find in a lot of different games where if you just happen to go by this one thing they thought, oh, we'll record a funny thing to do in this one moment. But this game is just covered in those sprinkles. It is just every little thing you do, they have some voice clip for it. Mm-hmm. And also, they have the sexiest voice actors I've ever heard for <laughs> everybody. It's, it, is, it is a super horny game. Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's uh, Brian and I are in a like a, a meme group for Hades, and it's astounding how fond people are for the Hades voice actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think also just outside of how much people love the voice actors, the the work that they did is really, really good. And you you have an opinion about every single character. So it's not a game where maybe like the main character has a great voice actor and then there's side characters or just generic actor A every single character has a personality and has great lines, even like the super minor characters. So anybody who talks has tons of lines, tons of unique lines, great dialogue. Uh, and it just, it's just great. Cause no matter what you have a character, you'll get attached to. There's so many good characters. You're going to yeah. like one. Or I think it's them. also. Uh, I definitely want to point out that the the voice actor of Zagreus is like the lead musician for the soundtrack, as well as does the voice for Skelly. Who oh, okay. Are two like completely different sounding characters, and I I love some of the dial the back and forth dialogue between them, uh, but it's the same guy doing both voices, and it's it's clear this is a very talented guy. Skelly is such a goofy character. Just such a ridiculous <laughs> concept. He's only here to help, man. Yeah. So, we cannot recommend Hades enough. Is there anything else that we want to cover before we wrap this up? I want more roguelikes. Bring on more roguelikes and roguelites, and, and I'll play them. Fair enough. <laughs> want to thank you all for listening uh this has been uh, a pretty messed up year but we've uh been able to bring in a lot more listeners and we really appreciate all of you that have been just hanging out with us playing through these zelda and zelda light games if you enjoyed this episode of us just chit-chatting about general video games go check out our patreon uh, it'll be launching in just a few days after when this episode launches. Uh, one of the goals that we have on there is to do a monthly video game review episode that will be just 
if there's a game we want to talk about that month, we're going to just do, do an episode just about that game. So if you enjoyed just us chit chatting and talking about video games that aren't necessarily Zelda, even though, like, you know, at least one of mine was definitely, I could fit in the Zelda like category. Uh, go ahead and check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash chat of the wild. Uh, thank you all for hanging out with us again. Thank you, BC. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. And uh, thank you, Jeremy. Thanks, oh, thank Jeremy. <laughs> thanks. Thank thanks, you. listeners, for thanks making this listeners. 2020 better for us than it could have been. Just from, you know, like supporting us and, and you know, it's been it's been a nice thing to have amidst all this is, is the show and and you know having a lot of at least you know more feedback on our on our reviews and and just seeing just seeing people responding to the show has has been a nice silver lining on this year it's been it's been a nice thing to have so thank you absolutely uh go ahead and follow us on chat of the wild at or Go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Chat of the Wild to get any updates for future episodes, uh, any other things that we do in the future as well. Here's to 2021, everybody.